welcome. You're listening to the Pink Medicine Podcast and I'm your host, Lauren Plunkett. Each week, I intend to fill your ears with inspiration, motivation and guidance to help you live your best life. I'll do this with the help of some truly amazing and inspiring guests in which together we'll bring you both meaningful and thought-provoking conversations. So settle in and let's enjoy this week's show. Hello, my friends, and welcome back for another week and another amazing guest on the show. This week is the second week in the mini mindfulness series. So last week we spoke with Kelly Watkins, who gave us a huge chat about CBT and how we can manage our anxiety ourselves. And this week we're going to chat with Janelle Rivera, who is the absolute journaling queen. I cannot wait for you to meet her in this chat. She is so beautiful, such a beautiful woman. And she's going to teach us how we can use journaling to get our thoughts onto paper and work through things going on in our lives and how it can help us on our journeys to self-development. So some of the things we cover in today's show are the importance of writing ourselves love letters. We discuss cognitive journaling and Janelle shares with us her formula for self-love. Janelle explains how we can design the perfect meditation space, and we explore the idea of embracing our softness. So let's dive into today's show with the lovely Janelle Rivera. Thank you so much for jumping on the show with me, Janelle. I've been looking forward to our chat so much. Your mission to help women on their road to self-empowerment and self-discovery is such important work. Mm. And the delivery of your message is always filled with so much love and (laughs) I get the biggest maternal vibes from you. (laughs) So um, I'm really excited to have this chat with you today. So to start off, let's talk about your love of journaling. Mm -hmm. I see that you use journaling as a therapeutic tool. Mm. So can you explain to us when did you start writing and journaling Mm -hmm. where did that love come from well I want to say first thank you so much you just made me blush right now with the introduction (laughs) so thank you I really appreciate your kind words and as far as journaling I've been journaling for pretty much since I was a kid I my mom always made sure I had a journal and I was the girl who loved the pink uh, fuzzy journal with the matching pen and had the lock on it <laughs> so like anytime like if something happened in school I would come home and journal about like what happened and um, how did it make me feel inside and you know how how did I relate to other people so I've been doing that for such a young age but I didn't know that was actually a therapeutic thing until I got older so that's how long like I've been journaling for again since a kid and been definitely taking it more seriously as I would say when I entered um, college because that was the time where I was separated from my mom for the first time ever. So a lot of emotions came up with that and just, you know, stepping into early adulthood. So journaling has always been a practice for me. Journaling is something that I've only really started doing as an adult. I never really did it when I was younger, but I think like yourself, I used it as a tool to unpack things, work through things, just get things mm-hmm. out of my mind and onto paper. So similarly to you, you know, you, you're feeling some strong emotions, you mm-hmm. know, being away from family. And but I find, yeah, it's a really helpful tool, isn't it? In sort of working through 
the way you're feeling and making mm-hmm. sense of it all. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely. And again, it's definitely like a cognitive uh, journaling. Cognitive journaling is very therapeutic because you're writing your emotions down. And then after you write down how you feel, you get to analyze it from a different point of view. So you're taking yourself out of it and you're kind of looking at it, looking at the situation. So say, for example, if you're feeling anxious or depressed, right? So what I usually do, I'll get my journal and write it down. And then I'll see if I have any cognitive distortions in my mind. Like, okay, did this really happen? So like, for example, um, I I watch out for cognitive distortions, which could be anything from like black and white thinking to um, another thing, maybe overgeneralizing. So for example, if someone said, oh, Janelle, you look ridiculous in that outfit. And then in my mind, I take it, oh, my God, everybody thinks I look uh, ridiculous in this outfit. Journaling helps me like, okay, not everyone looks thinks I look ridiculous in the outfit. It's just that one person. And is that even true? Does that person opinion even matter? No. Okay, so this is not something I should carry on. So that's what journaling helps me do, like process all and unpack all those emotions. Mm, I love that term you use. So cognitive distortions. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really good way of putting it because, yeah, it, I guess, our, like you said, it's our view of what we think is a reality, but it may not actually be true, isn't mm-hmm. it? Just a different perspective. And then, yeah, again, unpacking that on paper and getting it in front of you, I think you can probably see it from multiple viewpoints, I guess, then as mm-hmm. well, which is a really good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm. exactly what you just said. And I do that as a journaling practice as well, especially from problem solving. Like I step back, meditate first, and then journal about like, okay, how can I tackle this problem and write down all of the solutions when I get my mind right first. And then that's a journaling practice too, like writing down different solutions when you're in the right state of mind, because a lot of times we overthink or we're, we're stuck in our own heads. We're not really paying attention to the limitless possibilities. So Mm. that's definitely something that also journaling helped me with. But I like, again, I like to thank my mom because ever since elementary school, if it wasn't for her, like introducing journaling to me and then being really excited about the fuzzy journals, I would probably even take it as seriously as today. Yeah. Do you have like a stationary addiction (laughs) to stationary? Oh my gosh. Yes. My partner, (laughs) when we go to Target... We, I have to like close my eyes when I pass the stationary section because yes. I'm like packed up with like pens and notebooks. And <laughs> yeah. Yes, we have. I don't know if you guys have it over um, in America. We have Kiki K. It's like a Swedish brand, I think. Have you heard of it? No, you're going to have to message it to me. Uh, Yeah, honestly, they have an Instagram. I'll have to tag you in something because I'm the same. I'm like, I have to put the blinders on so I don't don't (laughs) see it when I walk past it. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about your idea of writing ourselves love letters. Mm. I love this idea and you have so many awesome prompts on your page about how we can write these love letters to ourselves. Let's explore that. How did you come up with the idea and Mm -hmm. what can we get out of it? Mm -hmm. Well, I I study mindfulness when it comes to mindfulness and self-love. It's all connected. And I like to go with this formula that mindfulness plus self-care equals self love. So pretty much like breaking that down with mindfulness, uh, just that self-awareness piece. And first to practice self-care and to practice self-love, you need self-awareness to be able to see like what it is, what care you need and what area in your life. When it comes to like writing about self-love that all tied in together because, you know, it's a formula and you can't live without. 
So studying about that and studying self-love, it, it starts from within. And it just reminds me of all the things that you would want other people to say. So it's just like, why can't you just say it for yourself? So things that you're proud of, instead of waiting around for someone else to give you like a pat on your back and being like, hey, I'm proud of uh, the way you problem solved or handled that situation. Why not you give it to yourself? Or if you want to write about what you love about your, your, your body, I'm into body positivity. And, you know, if you think you're beautiful, why not say that in a love letter? Or it can get deep as like self-forgiveness too. I write myself love letters about self-forgiveness as well. I think it's something we should all have a go at doing. And Mm -hmm. I think not to generalize, but I do feel like, and you touched on this as well, but I think as women, we, we feel sometimes the responsibility to, to nurture those around us and Mm -hmm. to um, put that, put that hat on sometimes and just take care of everyone around us, take care of our families, take care of our friends. I think sometimes that's just a, feels almost like a natural role as a woman sometimes. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, I think quite often we can forget about ourselves and what we need. And yeah, and I, I do agree with you say, when you say that being able to not feel like we have to get that appreciation or the, uh, I guess, validation from other people that we can give it to ourselves. You know, we just need to you take the time and go within because I think we do sometimes as women put ourselves last and mm-hmm. forget about what we need. But if we can make writing these love letters, maybe work it into a weekly ritual or a monthly ritual, then we can take that time for ourselves. I mm-hmm. think it's so important. Mm-hmm. It is definitely. I agree with everything you said. And you know, it's nice to hear nice things from other people. Like don't get me mm. wrong, but I feel like when you start with yourself then you can manifest that and people can feel that you're in love with yourself and you know it's so natural for others to compliment you rather than just going around and seeking it out and then it becomes like a codependency issue so it's just really important to you know like you said take the time to make it a ritual even if it's like you know once a week once a month and doing a self-reflection and looking and figuring out what you love about yourself. And then also too, like what you love about yourself could be, okay, what do, what can I improve on? What do I need to work on? Because that takes love to have that conversation as well. Mm, yeah. And I love what you just touched on it too about, you know, once we start doing this, you almost, yeah, manifesting these things into reality. You're bringing these, you're raising your vibration by lifting yourself up higher and by, you know, saying, I, I love my body, I love my curves, I, you know, mm-hmm. I am grateful for my health. You know, you are in effect manifesting that into your life, bringing more of that into your life mm-hmm. by being grateful for it. So it's, yeah, there's so many elements to that idea that are just so good for us. And I know you, you're a big advocate for it. So mm-hmm. yeah, we should all definitely pick up a pen and paper and give it a go. Let's discuss a little bit about the ritual of meditation. Mm -hmm. I know that meditation can look different for all of us. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just taking the dog for a walk or Mm -hmm. reading a book. Sometimes it's taking a nice hot bath. So what what does meditation look like for you? Mm -hmm. And how does your soul benefit from that? And how do you physically, how do you feel after, after a good meditation? That's such a wonderful question. And I love the way you framed it. Meditation does look different for everyone. 
And um, there's different forms of meditation, right? Like you said, it could be a bath. It could be breathing exercise. It can be a mandala and you're chanting. I'd like to dibble and dabble into all of it. Uh, but for me with meditation, the misconception is that meditation is stopping your thoughts. And to me, it's not stopping your thoughts. That's, <laughs> that's mentally impossible. It's more so of being able to be the observer of your mind and doing it in a non-judgmental way, which is the challenging part. And for me, when I practice meditation, it's it's an ongoing practice because it doesn't end at the bubble bath. It doesn't it doesn't end after you're done with that breathing ex exercise. It's constant every day. And, you know how you respond when you're waiting at lines. That's a form of meditation, being able to center yourself and being aware of how you're feeling in that moment. With meditation, for me. I just feel, I feel free after, and I feel like I'm in control of my own thought, not my own thoughts, but my emotions. And I can decide which thoughts I want to play with and which thoughts is not worthy of mine to even dig deep in. So, you know, I control my, my mind in a sense. So it's very, it's very freeing to me. Mm, yeah, I like that. And I love that point how you said that meditation is being an observer of our own minds. That was a bit of a light bulb moment for me when you said that. Because mm. it, it, yeah, I think being able to settle everything around us and to just, yeah, have that moment to consciously go within mm -hmm. and let things just naturally pop into our minds and, and pop in and out, which is, I think, okay. I, I know sometimes in meditation, people can say, oh, I'll push those thoughts to the side. But also, sometimes those thoughts are coming up for a reason and mm. it's good to observe them and to see them and acknowledge them. And yeah, I mm -hmm. love that. Mm -hmm. And it def definitely helps with focus too, um, being able to concentrate. One thing, one practice I like to do that I've, I've learned with meditation is uh, finishing things from start to finish. So I know it may sound simple, but that's what mindfulness is. It's just the simplest things that we do is mindfulness. So for example, if I'm cooking dinner and there's uh, dirty dishes in the sink, instead of ignoring that and waiting later, finish the whole process. So take out the seasoning, taking time to take out the seasoning, what seasoning do you need to use? And then taking a mindful moment to cook and then also finishing the process in the sense of washing the dishes, putting the dishes away. So anything, even when it comes down to writing my articles or planning for an event, just being able to finish things from start to finish to have laser focus. So that's also how meditation benefits me in my life. Mm, I love that. And that example of just building that into an everyday, a simple mm -hmm. everyday task of, yeah, you know, cooking dinner or, you know, getting some work that you need to do done, just being very present in the moment and mm -hmm. thinking about the steps and acting out those steps in, in a purposeful way. Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, appreciating the fact that you're reaching for that seasoning in the cupboard and that you were able to buy that seasoning and that seasoning tastes delicious, things like that, really appreciating each step that goes into what we do. It made me think, oh, yeah, mindfulness isn't just about being in a quiet place. <laughs> it, mm -hmm. it can be about everything we're doing in our day-to-day -day life. Soak it in, you know, be in the moment. Mm, I love that. And even with, like like you said, it's not just a quiet place. It could be a loud place. It could be a, a chaotic place. You need mindfulness to be able to step back and be like, okay, 
am I reacting or am I responding? Does this align to my values or not? I like to call it like a soul contract that I have where my personal values are and do, am I breaking my soul contract if I respond a certain way or every act a certain way? So yes, it's definitely an everyday, day-to-day practice, even how you, you know, relate to others and how you communicate with others. Mindfulness definitely plays a a place in that. And then you don't have to be perfect. You know, sometimes, you know, I may slip up or say things, say something in a, a way that wasn't okay for me, but that's where mindfulness comes in because you can step back and be like, mm, that did not feel right. You know, let me go back and approach it a different way. On your blog, you have a really good post about meditation and meditation spaces and and how Mm -hmm. we can design our own. And I know we were just talking about being mindful and meditation can take many different forms. But if we wanted to set up a space and create a ritualistic ceremony for ourselves and practice some meditation, what are some of the elements that we might want to incorporate into this space and features? What would you suggest would be really helpful in creating a perfect meditation space? Mm-hmm. So the basic thing is you just want to make sure you have all of your five senses. So the smell, the taste, uh, touch, things like that is sight. So that's something that helps that grounds us to be able to be present in the moment to experience all the senses. So it can be um, for sight. It can be a statue or something that's important to you that speaks to your personal values or connects to your overall higher purpose. It can be for sound. It can be a bell, you know, like a meditation bell, Tibetan bell, something for touch. It can be beads to help you stay focused. It can be a stone. So it's just it's just going back to the sense to help ground yourself during that practice. Oh, wow. I love that. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. And it's so simple because it's almost like a bit of a framework there. You know, you just follow the five senses and you can just pick something that really resonates with you with each of those senses and, and you can create a space yeah, a very personalized space. I love that so mm-hmm. much. <laughs> yeah. And even I wanted to say for those who may live with roommates or, you know, have a big family and they have a communal space, like what I tell my friends, if you can keep a box and like put all your meditation items there. So when it's time to go back to that particular space, because you always want to have a certain space for it. So the mind can recognize, okay, um, your body can recognize that's that space for meditation purpose only. That's when I feel the most grounded. So if you if you live with others, you can keep all your sacred items in the box. And then when it's time, just take your box and take everything out and set up the scene. Mm, that is such a practical little tip. I love that as well. And you know what? These are things by making it really easy and really accessible to be like, look, you know, I've got that box. I know where it is. When I need it, I've had a bad day. I've had a bad week. I can grab that box out. It's it's easy. It's got everything I need in there. And that's, I guess, a bit of a resilience tool there as well, mm-hmm. you know, for our emotional health something that we know we can go to to um, bring ourselves out of that. So I think that's a really good tip and good advice there about something everyone can easily create a box of their five five senses for a meditation and mm-hmm. and go to that when they need it that's a really really good idea i want to also explore with you the idea of our softness mm. and this is something that you talk a lot about as well and i want to i want to explore what does tapping into our softness mean and mm-hmm. what are the benefits of of mm-hmm. harnessing that Mm-hmm. in our lives. Mm-hmm. So what's, oh, I love this topic. So with softness, 
as I've grown up and even and just hearing conversations around softness in my environment, I always hear that people will associate softness with weakness. And, you know, growing up, they would say, Janelle, you're too soft. You're too soft. And to me, softness is a way, well, there's many ways where how you can implement softness. But to me, like right now we're in the middle and I'm, I'm sure it's happening where you are, but we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. And for me, the softness skills is, uh, is the ability to be able to have compassion for others. It's, it's being able to listen. It's being able to step back and not react about what's happening around you and being able to respond in a mindful way. So you can implement softness. It's being able to talk to yourself kind, especially when you are going through something. It's just the ability to be consciously aware of how you're feeling inside and how you affect others by the words you use and and your intentions and being able to set intentions. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes being able to go from being one version of ourselves and then tapping into another is a skill in itself, being able to identify, oh, okay, right now I need to tap into that that feminine part of me, that that mm-hmm. softness, that part of me that just is going to almost be accepting, be really mm-hmm. accepting of what's happening around. You touched on it when you when you first spoke about how people always use softness as a weakness and, mm-hmm. and it's quite often seen as, yes, um, something we don't want to be mm-hmm. um, by actually, yeah, embracing that and, and really there is a lot of positive outcomes that can come from just taking a softer approach towards mm-hmm different experiences and different even thoughts and just mm-hmm. being more accepting. When I read about this on your page, I thought this is something you don't hear many people talk about. Mm. It's almost, it reminded me a little bit about how people talk about archetypes and there's different mm. archetypes. And I thought mm-hmm. when when you spoke about softness, I'm like, this is almost like a feminine, archi- you know, the, that different archetype. Definitely. But, um, Definitely. Mm. And, we, and we have we have both energies, right? Mm-hmm. But, and it's so interesting because in the corporate world right now, soft skills is trending <laughs> like because they're realizing that you know that hustle hard work hard i'm just cutthroat type approach it's not working <laughs> you know mm. like people have feelings people have emotions and you can still be stern and still be soft at the same time it's just how you deliver your message and i definitely agree with you so it's definitely a feminine approach it's being able to be to also, instead of saying like being black and white, which is more of a masculine approach, is being able yeah. to, you know, be curious and say, and like, so, you know, I, I love entrepreneurship and I like to practice self-care with a candle. So it's being able to, to see different approaches all at once. And you can be multiple things because we're, we're very dynamic. And to me, that's a feminine approach. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if you think about it, if you do connect that softness to the feminine and you've got this soft and hard, you know, you've got your feminine, your masculine, it's this idea is in so many different cultures as well. You know, you look at, you know, yin and yang, and then you look at, you know, when it comes to Ayurvedic practices, you look at, I guess, pitta would be masculine and maybe Mm -hmm. kapha would be feminine. You know, there's this idea spans across so many different cultures and you know religions and yeah I think 
like you said, you can be in your masculine and quite assertive and fiery and just like, go, go, go. Let's do this, do this, do this, work, work, work. But then you can also probably get the same results by tapping into your feminine. You could still be assertive in a feminine way. Yeah, I think being able to know that we can do this and being aware of these sides to ourselves, we have a choice, I guess, in that moment of do we want to take the hard approach? You know, do we want to take that firm and rigid black and white approach or do Mm -hmm. we want to tap into our softness and be a little bit more open and be a little bit more flexible and Mm -hmm. yeah and probably get a similar result but Mm -hmm. I guess the impact on ourselves and those around us Mm -hmm. would be different does that make sense I don't know that that (laughs) definitely makes sense and it's so interesting how it affects society because for example uh, when I worked at a school I what I used to do is I used to set up a picnic outside and the students around me was just so used to me like being on top of things and like planning events and planning, you know, uh, mindfulness workshops. And then when they actually saw me like sit down reading a book outside having a picnic, one student came up to me and was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, okay, what do you mean what I'm doing? She's like, oh my God, you're so soft. You're not supposed to be doing that stuff at work. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> I'm, t- I'm on a break. <laughs> I'm enjoying myself. Would you like to enjoy uh, to join me? Like I have sparkling water. I have strawberries. I'm reading a good book. And then she's like, you know, she's just saying, you're just so soft. Like you're not supposed to be soft at work. And and I just thought about like, it's so, it's so saddening to think that that starts so young, just from seeing the hustle and bustle that are with our parents and, you know, being in that environment, especially, you know, in the black community where, you know, self-care is not something that we think about because everything is just always about survival mode. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was really, it was really sad to hear that from a young girl. And I explained to her that, you know, you do need that time and you can do a little bit of both. You can be at work and can be the boss lady and you can still take that time and step back to practice self-care because how else will you get your mind right? How else will you be able to be comfortable to make uncomfortable decisions? Mm, absolutely. That was a light bulb moment then when you said that too. Absolutely. And you need to be able to yeah go between the two on a daily basis you know like you said come home from being working hard and making the money or doing what people call it the hustle and the daily grind I think are very common terms that get tossed around Mm -hmm. but then you can come home and just yeah again ease into your softness because if you don't and if you don't switch off from that go 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 that's where burnout comes in and that's Mm -hmm. when you know it's taking its toll on your mental health and your physical health and it'll start impacting those around you your friends and your family those you live with yeah you need to be able to find that balance and be aware I I think the key is being aware that these sides of us exist and that we have control over Mm -hmm. what what side we want to be in you know I think that that's that's Mm -hmm. yeah the big thing if we if people Mm -hmm. really realize that you have control over what you want to feel and what you want to be who you want to be in that moment mm-hmm. it can change our day and in effect change our whole reality in our our life we, if we're just aware of how we are in each moment yeah exactly and that's that brings me back to the formula of like mindfulness plus self-care equals self-love and mindfulness always comes first because you know self-care is a trendy term but um, mm-hmm. without being self-aware again how would you even know where to start to practice self-care you know, you may say like, oh, my self-care 
is um, lighting a candle, reading a book. But if you're not self-aware, it could be something even more deeper that you need to work on. It could be a self-care that you're feeling lonely. Wellness is is so broad. That ties with friendships as well, how you re- how you react with others. Maybe you need to spend time, some time with a friend because self-care is not always done alone. So like you, you definitely need that self-awareness piece to figure out, okay, where do I even start with self-care? And yeah, and like you said, self-love isn't always, and, and practicing self-care and self-love isn't always pleasant. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're going on that journey of self-discovery and learning who we are and working through things can be quite emotional and, and uncomfortable. But how are we supposed to grow and, and get those breakthroughs if we don't take the time for ourselves to go within and work mm-hmm. through it and unpack it, you know. Mm-hmm. So you did, you, you touched on that a few times, I think, in our chat. And I think that's really important to, to um, stress as well that, you know, we've got to take the time for ourselves, but sometimes it's not, they're not easy times, you know, it's not, it's not all beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> sunshine and butterflies and, you know, mm-hmm. it's not always great. It's sometimes mm-hmm. working and discovering ourselves and spending time with ourselves is hard work and Mm -hmm. but it needs to be done in order to become better I think and Mm -hmm. and upgrade and level up and and to Mm -hmm. become our higher selves you know Mm -hmm. if you want to take it to that to that place yeah Mm -hmm. definitely and um like you like you said and sometimes too it it takes having uh good friends around you as well because you know sometimes you may just because you're alone doesn't mean you see everything so if you have trusted friends around you, that's why I always stress the importance of community spaces to practice self-care because, you know, you can get hear different perspectives from other people. And sometimes when you stay alone in your own thoughts by yourself, you can go on this whole spiral and and get sidetracked and, and other things may come up where if you're opening yourself up to vulnerability and discuss it with trusted people around you, they probably been through the same experience and can give you some feedback and you can actually level up higher than you even thought you could alone by yourself. Mm, absolutely. Yes. And I know I've spoken to other guests on the show before who we've spoken about, you know, finding those key people who the ones that are always going to have our backs, you know, mm-hmm. through the ugly times, through the good times, the ones who are always going to be there to give us an, a shoulder to lean on and an ear to talk to. I think we can all identify at least one person in our lives, you know, but yeah, they are so important. And I love that idea of, yes, um, self-care is definitely not always something we need to do on our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And practicing it with those we love and, and those who support us and love us. Yeah, absolutely. So important. Mm-hmm. What are your top tips mm-hmm. for turning a bad day into a good day? And I know we've already touched on a few things already, but if you could give us your top two, top three mm-hmm. tips, what mm-hmm. would they be? Mm-hmm. Well, first, I will like to think about like what does a bad and good day means to me because I'm working on reframing that myself because there's no such thing as a bad or a good day. So just starting about, okay, if I feel like a bad day, what's happening? What's going on? Why am I not feeling aligned? So if I don't feel aligned, the first step is to, I would say one thing you can do is obviously journal like we spoke about and just write about like what's going on. What did you experience right now? Is this something that someone said or was it a memory that just came up randomly in your head? Like, you know, why are you feeling like down or why are you feeling like you're having a bad day? Another thing you can do is you can just take some time to meditate 
do a breathing exercise, you know, just to get your mind right, calm down your nervous system. Another thing you can do is I always say go back to like calling a trusted friend if they're available and just asking permission, of course, to be like, do you have a permission for me to just, can you just listen? Like, can you just listen, not interrupt? No advice yet. Just can you just listen to what I have to say? And then after that person's done and they didn't interrupt you, you, you can, if you're open enough to it, you can say, well, can you give me some honest feedback of like, how am I feeling right now? Do you feel as if I'm overreacting or like, well, how would you handle the situation? Absolutely. And it's always good to get a second perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very important. It's so important to find community, whether that's online or offline, when you're on this wellness journey and you're practicing self-care, because it's not done by yourself alone. And, you know, we're in technically a loneliness epidemic right now, according to social scientists, where Mm -hmm. um, numerous of people have felt like half Americans are feeling like they're lonely and they cannot find meaningful connections. And just thinking about, again, when you think about self-care and wellness, there's so many pieces and elements to it. And just keep in mind of that social wellness too. The social wellness is definitely important to your self-care practice as well. Yeah. And you're right. These are definitely unprecedented times. I don't think our grandparents, our parents, I don't think anyone's really experienced times like these that we're in now. And and we all have had to be at home and find ways of trying to fill up our cups, you know, and and, um, be social in different ways, which is hard. And it has Mm -hmm. been really hard for people. And I know that mental health has been something that has spiked for a few people, even in in my circle of friends. I know a few people have really struggled in these times. And Mm -hmm. as a mom with three kids and being at home for the last, you know, (laughs) a couple of months, that's been really hard too. So I know here in Australia, restrictions are starting to lift. Things are Mm -hmm. starting to feel, I wouldn't say normal because I don't think things are ever going to feel the way they used to it's a different kind of normal but things are slowly we can reach out to some more to to those people close to us again but it is really important to take care of ourselves but be mindful of those around us who need us Mm -hmm. as well yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely and if you do discover a self-care practice it's so many out there it's so important to know that you don't have to do it all in one setting you know Mm -hmm. just take your time take your time make sure because we're aiming for habit. We're not aiming for a trend. So we want to make those journaling practices a habit. You know, we want to make reading, mindful reading and mindful walking a habit. So just, you know, spreading it out and taking your time and not being so hard on yourself if it seems like you don't get it right, right away. That's really good advice. Yeah. Just work on it. Take it slow. Mm -hmm. Yep. And if it doesn't work, you know, try again and, you know, practice, just practice because mindfulness is a bit of a skill, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's almost, you know, rewiring your brain in a way when you're doing it. I know from some of the books I've read, which I can, I think it's called Mindful Parenting or something Mm. like that, but it it does connect a lot of mindfulness practices to science. And and Mm -hmm. it does evidence that if we do turn mindfulness into a ritual, you are actually rewiring the structure of your brain, which is Mm -hmm. amazing. So like you said, it doesn't always feel natural at first, but if you, yeah, work at it and Mm -hmm. and try and work it into a daily or a Mm -hmm. weekly Mm -hmm. routine, it'll get easier and it'll feel more natural and the benefits will just flow. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's really good advice. Thank you so much, Janelle, for coming on the show. Of you are such a ray of light. You are so oh, positive. Thank you. And oh, I just, I love seeing your Instagram stories and 
the way you always provide really useful tools and resources for journaling ideas and prompts. If anyone wants to go and check out Janelle's Instagram page, I'll link to it in the show notes. We're definitely worth checking out. So many really good tools over there. And if you are one who loves journaling or writing things down, there are some really good ideas for working through different areas and aspects of our life. Definitely worth looking at that. So thank you so much again. And I think your work is really important, helping women on their personal journeys of of growth and becoming more awake I think it's really really important now more than ever as well so thank you for that so grateful yes I'm so grateful for you thank you so much for inviting me thank you Isn't Janelle such a beautiful soul? Oh, she inspired me so much in that chat we had together. And I really hope you guys could feel that beautiful energy she radiates as well through your speakers. So there are so many takeaways from that episode. I love that idea of putting together our own box of meditation tools using our five senses. And I love the idea of writing ourselves love letters. And I'm definitely going to try and work that into a, a monthly routine. Oh, you know, there's just so many things that could be taken away from that episode. I would love, love, love to hear your favorite takeaways and what things you're going to take from that conversation and, and maybe work into your lives as well. So if you would like to check out anything from today's show, learn a little bit more about journaling as well, head on over to Janelle's Instagram account, which is Janelle underscore Bodie and Lace. Over there, she has a journal book club, which you can sign up for. She has plenty of freebies and she also posts IGTV videos a few times a month, actually, and does mini workshops and she'll discuss a certain topic on each video and show you how to work through that through journaling and through journaling prompts, which is amazing. We are so lucky to have someone like Chanel out there doing this work, making it so available to anyone and everyone. So please please definitely go over there and check that out. Next week for episode three in the mini mindfulness series, we get to chat with the amazing Erin Miller. Erin uses NLP methodologies combined with life coaching to help people change the way they think and feel about certain things happening in their lives. So she is going to give us some NLP tools to help us reprogram our minds as well. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear about soul modes. So we are going to have a big chat about the four soul modes. And you guys, I just know, are going to have a major light bulb moment as I did when I heard about these. I cannot wait for you guys to hear about the soul modes. It's going to be such an interesting chat. So definitely stick around for episode 10 next week. So until then, have an amazing week. Look after yourselves. Enjoy the sunshine. If the sun's shining where you are, we're very lucky to have sun shining here in Adelaide where we are right now in the middle of winter. So enjoy it. Soak it up. And I will catch you next week for episode 10. If you enjoyed today's show, I would absolutely adore it if you head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review and leave me some love over there as well. Once again, thank you for listening.